Muslim Chat presents Heroes of Islam, a 30-part series on the lives of some of the greatest Muslims to walk this earth. اللهم صل وسلم على عبدك ورسولك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى اصحابه الكريم الاكرمين اللهم اسل الاسلام والمسلمين ان شاء الله today we'll be covering the the life of one of the, one of the greatest commanders of islam uh, who uh, who went from a small teenager in mecca who would occasionally defend the muslims uh, in against the enemies while they were uh, under uh, persecution became one of the greatest commanders of islam uh, defeating the world, the greatest empires at the time, the Persians, who controlled so much, so much land, and they considered the Arabs their slaves, yet they were destroyed by the Muslims. Adam ibn he was someone who, uh, who first became Muslim at the age of 17. He was a very, very young person. Most, most majority of people, I think, on this community and the server will be a very, very young age. They'll be only, you know, 17 or 16, 15, and so on. Allah Sa'id bin Al-Qasibi was one of the first people to accept Islam at the age of 17. He was educated, he was trained in Darul Al-Qam, where Muhammad and the other Sahaba would uh, stay basically to learn Islam from Muhammad, learn the deen, practice it as well in secret. And after pledging, uh, giving bay'ah to Prophet, he there was an incident where the Muslims uh, at during this time because they were praying in secrecy, they would go to different places on the outskirts of Mecca, and they'd go to small little valleys or hiding places, and there they would pray. And during this time, when while they're praying, a group of rowdy youth from Quraysh or Kuffar, the Mushrikeen, they come to and they find the Muslims praying there. They start make, mocking them. They start you know berating them, and you know. Uh, Hurting them, attacking them, and so on. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, he, when he finishes praying, he picks up a bone, a bone that's lying around of a camel, and he threw, throws it so forcefully that it hits, uh, it hits the face of one of the Muslims, and it brings and it brings blood hurting from his face. Allah, he's he was so strong even at that young age. He was so strong in defending the Muslims. Against the against the enemies, Allah, and this is something also for us. We should not be someone who just you know, who you know, uh, tries to you know, you know, get muscles and become a fit or a six pack and so on, just because you know we want other people you know to look good, uh, and you know we want to look good on Instagram and so on. Or you want to look, you want to have that muscles and you know it's strength to actually be able to use it for the deen, to use it for something good, use it for Islam. Not just wrestling or so on, use it for the deen. So there are two major traits that were found in Sahad ibn Abi Waqas which were not found in many, many other people, many other Sahaba even at the time. And the first one is that during the Battle of Uhud, when the Muslims, this is before the tide began to turn, uh, and the Muslims were attacking and they were winning the battle against the Quraysh, uh, his marksmanship so accurate. He was someone who was very handy with a burnt arrow. And when Prophet ﷺ saw that marksmanship, he was so impressed and so happy that he wished him to continue good work. He says, Irmi ya Sa'ad, because may my parents, may my mother and father be sacrificed for you. 
the the fact that he was so happy with him that he would say that even my may my parents be sacrificed for you that is something that not many Muslims you know Mushaba and that you know uh, honor of having the statement said to them by the Prophet and this was not only the one uh, glad tiding that Prophet had not the glad tiding he had uh, for Saad ibn Waqas that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he had prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he, uh, Allah would accept every single dua that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas made. And after that, when he made that dua, whenever Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his dua and his supplication would always be answered. And all the other sahab used to value him very, very highly. And the whole of, uh, by this time, you know, by the uh, time Muslims had conquered Mecca, the whole of Arabia had already heard of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas because he had two weapons that he was famous for. He was his arrow, his archery, and then his dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He never missed with his aim, with his arrows. Allah. And, you know, the, there's a narration about his dua, power, power of his dua is that one day he heard the man grumbling. When he went to him, heard him, uh, what he was saying, he was, this man was actually cursing Alha and Ali and Zubair. Allah, he was cursing them. And when this person refused to stop, and Sa'ad, you know, he loses his temper after some time telling him to stop. He says that if he doesn't, this man doesn't control his tongue about the Sahaba, he's going to make dua against him. He, and the man responds, you know, saying, how, how dare you? You're, are you? You're saying you have powers that, uh, are you saying you got powers? And are you a prophet? And, you know, Sa'ad is upset by this and he walks away. He makes dua to Allah SWT. He says, oh Allah, you know, this man is abusing men of purity with whom you, you yourself are pleased with because of their goodness. May Allah subhanahu make this man a lesson for other men. When he had barely done with this dua, when people saw that a camel had broken away from a rope which was tearing her to a wall. And within a few minutes, this camel had ran to this person who had been cursing the Sahaba and killed it. Killed him, subhanAllah. That's all, all that person was because the Sahaba, all of uh, he made this dua against this person and it was accepted instantly. This is, there is no doubt that if any one person, you know, abuses the Sahaba, Allah makes them an example for others, even in this case. And the love of the Sahaba is something that every Muslim should have. And we even see, even among the Sahaba, they had so much love for each other. So why, as Muslims, can we not have love for them? And now, in terms of his military expertise, he was someone who was very, very skilled in battle. He was someone who was very aspiring as a commander. He, when, uh, even, you know, during, uh, during their first exploits, the Muslims' first exploits into, into Iran, into Persia, Muslims, uh, you know, they suffered a huge defeat when they first entered, uh, when, when major battles, when they first entered. Umar ibn al-Khattab, he's the Khalifa at this time. And, you know, he gets really upset by this. And then he decides that, okay, I'm gonna, this time I'm going to lead the army to, uh, to defeat the Persians. He's ready. He prepares himself. He starts leaving. The Sahaba say, no, you got to stop. you got to stop because we can't just lose uh, our Khalifa just like that. We'll, we'll choose someone in your place to go, but you can't go. And he was desperate to go. He was desperate to lead the Muslim army. And... Then eventually, you know, he has to, because he decides to, you know, step back as they, as the Shura uh, requests. And the Shura then suggests to him that, you know, here's somebody he can send instead. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. 
and and from then, uh, Sahad is becomes the leader of the main advances into Persia, and on the battle of one of the major battles that he uh, fought in was Al Qadisiyah. Al Qadisiyah is honestly one of the greatest battles of Islamic history because not only were the Muslims vastly outnumbered, but they were also you know they were faced by uh, were faced by they were faced by uh, weapons they'd never seen before. They were faced by elephants. These elephants would, would crush, had crushed the Muslims before. Salim Waqas, with his expertise, he was able to defeat these elephants because what he, what he would instruct his archers to do is fire into the arrows of the elephants because once they're blind, they'll start, you know, they, will, they won't be able to see where they're going. And in fact, they will start destroying the army of the Persians before they come and attack the Muslims. So through the strategy of uh, Sa'ad ibn al-Waqas, he was able to you know, uh, vanquish a great army with one of the best commanders of Persia. And at this time as well, the, he also uh, another command he made to also defeat that huge Persian army was, uh, was he would take, he, he ordered for camels to and with those camels, he would paint them, you know, black, and he would dress them up. And he would send them running uh, after, you know, the armies of, Pers- of the Persians, because that would be, they see that as something scary. And using these tactics, he was able to weaken not only the morale, but in the entire army of the, of the Persians, eventually, until they completely destroyed them uh, within a few weeks. Allah. And, you know, just prior to this battle, a delegation had been sent from Umar al-Khattab to the leader of the Persians. And he, when he had come, they obviously they presented to him the letter of Prophet saying that accept Islam or pay jizya or we'll come and conquer you. And the arrogant leader orders for you know a bucket of soil collected. And with this bucket of soil, he pay, takes it and does it. the delegation himself bag of swing as a basic as an act of disrespect however what the sahaba do is they you know they see this basket of soil they decide they say okay we're taking it back with us and when they go back to the camp of the muslims and they go to they say that look uh, you know they say you know congratulations because the iranian emperor has himself given us the land they took advantage of the situation and instead of, you know, being really pessimistic and saying, you know, we've been disgraced, they, turned it they were always full of positivity. They were always ready to go fight. They were saying, we are when the times now. Let's go and fight. We will conquer the Muslim lands and bring Islam to the corners of the world. And this was the dedication that the Sahaba had at that time that we really need to have as well. We should not be people who are always afraid, you know, to say, uh, you know, we, this is what we believe in. We don't, we don't hide aspects of our religion for the, you know, for the non-Muslims. Everything is there for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made, has sent us that everything. His religion is perfect. Why should we be scared of it? Allah, we should not be scared of our religion. Religion is perfect from start to end. Allah, and this, and wallahi, if people, you know, truly knew the, you know, the rewards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised, even if you suffer because people, you know, don't like what you're saying, subhanAllah, if the rewards that Allah SWT is going to give to you in the next world are going to be a thousand, a million times greater than anything you'd ever get in this world, subhanAllah. And during this battle as well, it's also notable of Al-Qadisiyah, is even though, you know, this they achieved such a great victory, the majority of the time, Sa'ad ibn Waqqas was actually ill. He would not be able to, he would not even be able to walk or sit down or even go, for, let alone go and ride and fight. So 
was lying down most of the time because he was so ill. And he would give commands to the army from his bed. Allah. And even with those, he only with those he he, uh, he managed to order the army to destroy the you know the enemies of Allah. And he also another tactic he also used was that he would and he broke up the army into groups. He would send up one huge uh, group of the army first. And he would send. Uh, then he would wait uh, for a few days in order for the next part of the army to move forward to the front lines, and so on and so on. So in fact, the Persians would again it would uh, decrease their morale, and they would believe that you know this army keeps growing and growing and growing. This is an unstoppable force. Every time we kill uh, like a hundred, we get a thousand more to replace them. And other other great sahaba in this battle was also Al Qa'qa ibn Abl. Qa'qa was the one who, you know, destroyed. He was the one from Banu Asad who led all the uh, a group of Muslims to kill the elephants and them, and thus bring victory to the Muslims. And after this great battle of Al Qadithiya, uh, you know, the advances of the Muslims under Saad bin Waqas. All the work went uh, from the small part, from the outskirts, all the way to the great, uh, you know, to the great cities of Al Madian and so on. You know, they managed to conquer so many cities, and they brought so many riches back. And there's a narration as well about when they came to Madian, they went, they found all the riches of the of the previous ruler of uh, of Persia, and they sent it back to Allah radiallahu anh, in Medina. When Umar sees this, he calls for a person, uh, a, a, a Sahabi, who had uh, basically had hidden the help of Prophet during the uh, Hijrah. And, and he said, he calls for this person to come. And he says, and because Prophet because as reward for him accepting Islam and protecting Prophet from the Quraysh, who are after him, he said that, did you know that eventually you'll, uh, you'll wear the bracelets? The jewelry of Kisra. You wear the basis jewelry of the ruler of Persia. And this is the time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he fulfilled his promise and the Muslims, you know, they've they've completely decimated an empire. They have, they have fulfilled everything that Prophet has told them about. They, they say he said that you will see let us uh you'll see Yemen, you will see you know Rome, you'll see Persia. And now after all these years, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has fulfilled his promise and now they are one of the greatest powers in the world, and and although Saad uh, and also had obviously has done so many of these victories, he was incredibly humble as well. When he entered, you know, the cities of Madian, uh, he would he was constantly reciting Quran about how you know uh, he would say um, he recited the Quran. Uh, about how people had come before and after, and they became so absorbed with power, and then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala had taken it, uh, taken it away from them. And he was reminding himself to be humble. And you know, and uh, and then after uh, some time, uh, obviously with all, all the victories and the Muslim power uh, world is at its peak at this time. Uh, you know, Umar Umar Khattab is becomes a shaheed in Medina, and eventually he passes away. Then what happens after that is uh, that uh, what happens after that is that uh, to to make sure the world's uh, Muslim world stays stable, Umar puts a shura, and within that shura uh, they eventually choose Uthman But also while those people who are actually you know they wanted a possible candidate 
the Khilafa was sad in the Waqqas because of how great he was and how humble he was, you know, how cunning he was. He was one of the greatest Sahabi and he had so many virtues that Prophet, you know, spoken about him a lot. And and after this, you know, even uh, even later after the Khilafa began to uh, the Muslim world entered this fit fitan, yeah, between Ali and Muawiyah and during the Umayyad times. But still, he he kept himself away from all of that, and he focused instead on uh, on you know on working towards good between them. He 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 will say, you know, to his family, it's terrible. The swords of the Muslims were working against the Muslims rather than against the kuffar, as they he had done, he had led them to be before. And when he was eighty years old, in fifty four years after Hijra, while living in seclusion in Al Aqiq, where away from all the uh, all infighting. He, his father, in his 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 uh, his son, describes the last uh, few words of his father before he passed away. Subhanallah, and he says that you know my father's head was in my lap, his eyes were losing their focus, and and his son, you know, he says you know I started crying because I see my father after all these years he's passing away. And he asks you know why are you crying? He says you know be at ease, be uh, it's my end. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's sure that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not give him any punishment in the hereafter. Allah, because of the glad tidings he's already got from Prophet he said that Prophet has told me that I am one of those promised paradise, so I am, I am not worried, I'm happy, I'm ready. And while he's lying in the state, while he's about to pass away, he points towards a cupboard. And in this cupboard, there's a very, very old sheet It's brought out. And this very, very old sheet that he has, is actually the is the cloth he had worn at the, on the Battle of Badr, and he wanted to wear this cloth he had worn the Battle of Badr in the first battle he fought with uh, with the Muslims, uh, to be used as his kafan. No matter if he was old, it, that eat that piece of cloth that he wore when Muhammad told him, "Ilmi ya sa'ad, may Allah subhanahu wa taala, you know, may my parents be sacrificed for you, you know, he may, may Allah subhanahu wa taala accept every dua." When he, he, that was when he wore that clothing, that's when Allah said that he kept that piece of clothing until he died. And he said, yeah, "I want to be buried into this in this coffin," and eventually he he passed away. Subhanallah, a fifty year, uh, eight years old, fifty four years after Hijrah, after making so many great achievements in the Muslim world among the mujahideen, uh, the great mujahideen of uh, of the time, was one of the last of the of those mujahideen, the commanders. To return to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He will live the longest, and He was buried in Jannah to Bahir. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala make us, um, you know, let, allow us to learn from such great people of our times. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, you know, uh, make us from those who, you know, you know, uh, enjoy the good and forget, for, uh, forbid the evil. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, you know, make us from those who, uh, you know, who even though we may achieve a lot for Islam, we are very humble. We will strive to achieve more and more and more. We are never satisfied with how much we can do for Islam. We keep going. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those who are, you know, are really ready, desire shahada, desire martyrdom. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring us together with the Sahaba and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This was produced by the Muslim Chat Discord server, the best online forum 
run on the principles of the Quran and Sunnah. Find out more and join now at www.muslim.chat.